Hey guys, I'm Danny. And I'm EJ. And this is the Your Living Proof Podcast. Where we talk about addiction and how it affects the family, from the brutal to the beautiful and everything in between. Hey everybody, how you doing? Welcome to the Your Living Proof Podcast. We're, we're excited to be with you today. Today's episode... 22. 22. 22. <laughs> today we have something we want to share with you that it's personal. We just want to give you a little insight, a little glimpse into our life. Yeah. And there's a reason our why crazy. we want to do that. Yeah, yeah, our crazy, right? Yep. I want to start out by reading this this little intro to our podcast. I actually thought it was interesting, but it goes along with what we wanted to share today. I wrote it. She did. I couldn't have done something like that. <laughs> it said, Danny Deaton and his wife, Emily, give you the raw and honest truth about addiction, marriage, faith, and the family life. Individually, they faced drug addiction, divorce, teenage pregnancy, adoption, and incarceration. Do you wow. guys want to run now? That's are heavy. you like, who are we listening wow. to? I was like, mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Tense. sound effect. Whoa. It is true, though, all of that. Yeah. Wow. It's heavy. Together, they have built a successful business from the ground zero as they support families of addicts, but they both find their greatest success in raising three children together. So that is, all of that stuff is true. Addiction, divorce, teenage pregnancy, adoption, incarceration. To me, sounds like a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, it's at least one of those things plays a part in quite a few people's lives. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you look at addiction and it could expand upon many things, right? Eating. Yeah. Pornography, substances, prescription medication. Working so, out. Yeah. Working. Mm-hmm. I work with a lot of families where <laughs> there's someone in the, the family who has an addiction to a substance. And most of the dads, the way they cope with it is by working. Like they become addicted to work because they can't control the f- problem at home. So yeah. it just covers about everybody. So today we just want to talk about when we met each other, where we were at in our life and our journey. Also kind of a few things that had it happened in our life some that had a big impact yeah right well and for and for anybody that is listening that might be at a point where they're like i'm stuck in the middle like i'm in middle earth right now like i don't know how this is going to play out i'm not sure how this is ever going to be something that i can talk about without crying or how i could ever see it as a blessing this podcast is for you because we're I'm not saying we're we're past anything because life is just one nonstop. No, you we, know, we were drugged hurdle, through hell for so long that but it, it feels more light. Now. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, we are past some of those really, really heavy things. And then we're just preparing for the next heavy and, things. And I just want to say, like, day in and day out, I just meet people continually who are telling me these tragic stories about something that happened to them or to someone they love. Yeah. And it seems like the end all. Right. And the message is, I just want to be very clear up front. We all experience trauma and hardship in our life, regardless, whether we it's self-inflicted or someone else sure. does it. Yep. And everybody gets to this place of despair of like, mm, I'm never going to have that life or I'm never going to experience the things that other people have. Or for me, it was, I guess God kind of forgot about my story. Yeah. Still forgotten. I, I guess, <laughs> I guess I'll just kind of let it roll, you know? And, well, and, here, and here's the fact though. Not only does our trials not define us. No. But they are actually what's needed to become the best version of yourself. 
Correct. Now, it's so much easier said than done because it's a very difficult process going through that tragedy. And so many people get stuck and it becomes this repeating cycle for so long. Right. 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 But in order to break out of it, here's the motivation. You will, because of these circumstances, become the best version of yourself and in turn be able to give someone one day that you love the best version of you. Right. So let's talk about it. When we met, <clears throat> let's draw the contrast because this is very interesting, right? Should I speak for you or for myself? You. Do you want to speak for me also? <laughs> okay. No. I like when you do. Well, when we met, I was, what, 30 years old? Mm-hmm. And I do want to say, um, I'll let you speak for yourself. We had both been through quite a few things, things that had molded us, caused growth, things that were difficult. And so we had done this individually on our own journeys. I was 30 years old when I met my wife, and I'll let her tell you about her life at the time. But here I was, I was out of jail for, you know, almost 15 years later, just saying that still seems a little bit crazy, but it was true. I had been out of jail for, was it about a year? Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't remember dates as good as my wife. I'm pretty sure you were like off your ankle monitor for just kind of like, I may have had it tucked under my pants when we first met, but yes, I was in the real rebuilding process, right? When you look at my life at that time, I had had quite a bit, right? I had lost everything I had. I was stripped. Of yeah. There's a lot of rubble piled on top there was of you. a rubble or a pile of, beep. we all know what that means. Here I was in this kind of pathetic state, right? After having my life on the uppity up, dominating life in a certain way it just all crumbled because of my addiction not only did I almost die from it but I destroyed all the relationships around me ruined my health my financial well-being everything tornado tornado so here I am a year out of jail just getting off my ankle monitor meeting this incredible woman I had recently got a job which was awesome I had recently got my driver's license I had recently opened a bank account and had thirty dollars in there I had got an apartment and was ready to put back the pieces of the puzzle. <laughs> he had an apartment that he wasn't allowed to have any any knives except for butter knives in, guys. <laughs> she came over once to help me make some food, <laughs> and she's like, "Where? where's the knives? She's in my kitchen, right? And all I have is frozen food. She's like, where's the knives? And I was like, well... You know, I have fresh produce. I thought about lying about it. <laughs> like, maybe I left them or they got stolen or something, but... I had to break the news to her that I wasn't allowed to have anything more than a butter knife. It's part of rehabilitation, being on probation. <laughs> Let's be real. Okay. It's Someone, part of having a parole officer come and check your drawers yeah, for knives. Yes. You can't have <laughs> knives or weapons in the home. So we just have to make do with a butter knife. So I was like, okay, I'll bring my own knife, I guess. Okay. Started from the bottom. <laughs> so this is though how it started. Some dear, can I tell this part? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Why don't you? Why okay. Don't you tell a little bit about yeah. You? So that so my my situation you can envision envision was just like oh no like <laughs> not the optimal time to meet an incredible woman right you're not on top of your game so I was just caught off guard. Okay, so I just I want to rewind a little bit to well before I met Danny, and that is going back to when I was 19 years old, and you guys know because we've talked about it before, but just. Imagine that I'm 19 years old and I had gotten pregnant while attending BYU. I was not married at the time. I went through a very traumatic 
year, as you can imagine. Um, I placed my baby for adoption, which I'd love to share a lot of information about that sometime. Yeah, we but got I'm not a, that's a very cool story. See if you're going to have to touch on that later. It's amazing. Not only then, but how it yeah. transpired over time, several years. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I survived that experience. Then I get married. I graduate from BYU and about two weeks after graduation, I am finding myself living in my parents' home. I'm divorced. It was extremely traumatic. It was, there was no closure. It was literally overnight. My life was completely changed. I had absolutely no control over it. It just was almost like a circumstance where I just was plopped into it. And so here I am going, okay, I'm 22 years old. I've had a baby. I have been married. I've been sealed in the temple. I am now divorced. And I guess I am not going to make it. (laughs) I guess this is not going to work out the way I thought I would or I wanted to. Tell them about John, your brother, in the basement. Yeah, basically I, I had spoon feeding you yeah I had seven I have seven siblings and I'm smack in the middle of the seven siblings so I had three older sisters at the time where, that were living like what I wanted to live like they had really amazing husbands that life. they were married they had kids they had houses they were like and they were not that much older than me <laughs> so I'm like oh okay like, here I am and I'm living back at home in a basement and I couldn't function. I wasn't functioning at all. I, I really truly wasn't. And I had my sweet brother that was a senior in high school at the time that would sleep on the couch next to me because I was so broken. Like I couldn't be left alone. And so he would just like sleep next to me and fall asleep watching (laughs) movies because I couldn't, I was such an insomniac. So I should have been hospitalized. If my dad wasn't a doctor, I would have been. It was a tough time. I worked really hard to get out of that funk, that deep, deep, dark depression that I was in. And I ended up kind of standing up and fighting for my life in a different, very different way. Yeah, tell them what your dad, the challenge your dad gave you. So there was a point where I definitely had to make a choice, I would say. And my dad was very instrumental in that and he he knew that I was just not hanging on anymore and he I was just losing weight really fast I couldn't eat and um he was like look I know you think your life is over but it's not and he was like you can do anything that you want to do you just have to do it and he was like it's not over everything that you want is still ahead of you it's yours and he was like I'm just gonna tell you right now like you're gonna have to eat you're going to have to choose to live you're gonna go get a job you're welcome to stay here as long as you want but I know you won't eventually want to stay here and we're cheering you on and we want to watch you go do whatever it is you want well didn't he say something about not comparing yourself to your sisters and yeah I mean he, he just was like you're 22. If you want to go to Paris and study fashion design and become a designer, you should go do that. Like, whatever it is you want to do, 
you should go, go. do it. Go. And so him saying that made me realize like somebody believes in me. <laughs> somebody believes that I'm I have something to contribute in some way. And at that point he literally actually was like, "Now, having said that, you've got two choices. I'm going to put you in the car and I'm going to start driving and you can tell me some place you want to go eat or I'm driving you to the hospital." <laughs> so you choose, let's go. And we got in the car and I was being pretty stubborn about it. And I was like, you can just take me to the hospital. It's fine. And he was like, okay, that's fine. But no one's going to come visit you until you eat. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So he took me to get a chocolate shake. And that was kind of it. I ate French fries and a chocolate shake uh, in my dad's car. And then I kind of decided I was going to live and I was going to do something. And I still slept on the couch with my brother for about, <laughs> three more months falling asleep to a walk to remember um, that movie I have it memorized and I eventually just kind of pulled out of it and then you fast forward what was it how many years later eight nine eight, eight years I was single working I ended up working and having a really amazing job that I this is where I, this is where I get to intervene and just give yeah. it, just brag on my wife a little bit because I, I told you where I was at now here's the difference both of us were literally lifted up off the floor, right? Mine was almost from being dead to a, a drug addiction that destroyed me. And, and hers is this emotional from all the trauma she had been in, but literally scraped up off the floor by family members and loved ones and mm -hmm. put challenge to just choose to live and to, to go do. Now, it was about eight years before we met that she had been through this. I only was given about a two-year window. Mm -hmm. Two years, which included three or four months in rehab, sober livings, getting a job, going to jail for quite some time, being on an ankle monitor program, probation. So here's what's not fair. When we met, she was a baller. This woman was on top of her. I have to explain this, the dynamic of when we met. I had $30 in my bank account, driving a piece of crap car. I'm faking it till I make it, man. I'm just doing everything I can. I had... I actually, here's the honest truth. When we went out on a date, of course, I'm a man, right? I got pride. I wanted to pay for the meal. Well, I hadn't even gotten my first check for my job, so I didn't have enough money. I had, to get a, I had my dad front me some money, and I said, oh, I'll pay you back as soon as I get my first check. <laughs> Whoa. Meanwhile, little blondie over here, she had taken that challenge from her dad, and eight or nine years had gone by, and boy, not only was she this big wig manager for Nordstrom's, everybody's heard that word, right? At Nordstrom's, they she was such a baller that they had her work with the high-end clientele, right? The wealthy people who get to come in in special hours and get to shop the clothes before everyone else does. She's tailoring to all these people, meet some big wigs who own a big company in Utah. Can I say the name? Sure. It doesn't it, exist it anymore. Doesn't, it was called Tahishinoni. It's like one of the first big MLMs worldwide global company. They recruited her from Nordstrom's to come with help them. Now, no, she wasn't a multi-level marketing salesman. She didn't even know that side of the business. She helped their branding and building these shops around the world. So when I meet her, just want to paint this picture. She has a room in her townhome up in Provo specifically for shoes, right? I have a one bedroom apartment, pathetic with butter knives. <laughs> she has Butter a knives. whole room literally stacked from floor to ceiling of shoes. I walked in. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, what is this? You hustling shoes on the side? No, they're just on them. 
they're all six inch heels. Some I felt were eight inch heels. I mean, every shoe you could imagine, I was like, whoa. Okay, she's making six figures, driving this little red sports car, has a room full of shoes and these annoying dog. And annoying dog. Yeah, that like, by the way, the that very, hated Danny. The very first time we we went on so I'm going ahead of myself. We dated so many times that literally she th- began to think I wasn't interested in men. Or I mean in women. He She's, took me out on six dates. Before I kissed her. When I did end up getting the courage to kiss her, you know, you're awkwardly go over and you're hoping they don't deny you or something. I go over to kiss her. Her damn dog jumps up, this little chihuahua, and bites me in the face. <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm, I want to strangle this dog. There it was. It was but the most, Danny's like, I love dogs. Most embarrassing first attempt. Yeah, I said that. But meanwhile, I'm like, I'll smash you little dog and break put you its in, neck. I'll throw you off the balcony. <laughs> just kidding. Peta. <laughs> so here not. we are. And I, I do want to explain that you can help tell some of this story. We sure. had some good friends that introduced us, right? We're at this. My awkward, best friend. We're at an awkward Megan. age. Okay. How old were you? I know. I'm 29. Sorry. Okay. We're at our thirties and it's awkward. Where do you meet people then? You're kind of an outcast. You're in this weird realm. Well, also I had dated every single available human being. Yeah, she had. <laughs> She'd have been on every blind date known a man. And we had both been in relationships, didn't work. So we have our own issues with that, right? Yeah. So coming into anything, so there's a lot of difficulty. But still, we're in that weird realm. Where do you meet people at right. that age? At church, you're looked at kind of weird. No one knows what to do with you. In society, it's like, hmm, I don't want to meet my future spouse at a club or, or a dance club. Right. What am I going to do? I'm going to go to a grocery store and just take a long time to shop. Who knows? Also, finding your spouse Actually, at the gym. Actually, hanging out at Home Depot is a good place yeah, for, a, for a girl. Okay. Yeah. So it took some help. People being instruments in the hand of God. And it was friends. Yeah. So my best friend, Megan Brown, who some of you may know, she owns the Sweet Tooth Fairy. Um, Super her talented. amazing husband, who I was good friends with, wanted to set me up with Danny. He was working with Danny. He lived with her in, in college, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we were roommates and yeah we were just so so close and but megan knew better she's like oh she won't go on a blind date like she's done with that that's not a thing she's gonna do yeah but ethan kind of begged anyway and just said hey he's my friend megan and i will go with you if you hate him that's fine don't even talk to him like just talk to megan it's not that you're not risking anything. it was two people we trusted who were awesome that set it up and said yeah. hey we'll come yeah we'll even come yep so we went to dinner we Back to, to my story of paying for it with not even having enough money to do it. I get there. I'm waiting. I'm nervous. And I can hear this in the back of my head. This girl walks up with these tight jeans on. I'm like, whoa, these big old heels. She's got this long blonde hair with like pink extension highlights <laughs> inside of it. And I was like, what in the world? She sits down. She's like, what? Looks at me like, I did what? not yes. say what. Okay. Not what, but kind of gave me that look like, hmm. And I was like, hmm, I didn't. put me right on my heels immediately. And I kind of liked it. But we started there. We had a great dinner. I went and paid for the meal like the big macho I thought I was. Yeah, he's like, let me get it for everyone. No, I actually I'm snuck so out to wealthy. go to the bathroom, remember? <laughs> yes. And, and I paid the lady and whew, it was hard handing over that money because I didn't even have that much money, but borrowed it from my dad. That's where we were. So the date ended. It was awesome. We had a great conversation. It went well, don't you think? Yeah. So yeah. we 
Tell him what happened. Well, it went well enough that I was like, okay, he's going to ask me for my number, which is great. I'd love to go out with him again. Yeah, so we go outside and, we go and we're outside. out talking. We're kind of, you know, doing the weird thing where you're holding your keys. You're like, okay, um, bye. Bye, Megan. Bye, yeah. Ethan. Oh, hey, that was fun. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. And all of a sudden, I can't find him. Like, he's gone. And I'm like, she wait, looks what? around and I'm gone. I'm like, okay. And I'm like. Literally, like she turned to speak to Megan and it, that was my chance. Poof. Yeah. You want to know like, where I ended up? <laughs> I had dropped to the ground, asphalt parking lot rolled underneath the car that I was standing next to vanished. Yeah. Gone. Like disappeared. <laughs> Why? Because I'm a man. Right. And we pride ourselves off this pride and ego thing, which is so weird. I didn't want her to see the car I was driving. That would have been it. That would have been the game ender. Okay? In his mind, that would have been the game. I was ender. like, Oh my gosh, That's not the truth. Like she's going to see my car. I have no game. Like, so I disappeared. He hid. I, I laid underneath that car until they left. Yeah. I got up, sat in the car, and I was like, boy, that girl's fine. Like, I was so excited, and I was like, I'm going to have to figure this out. Yeah. First, I'm going to figure out how to get her number because <laughs> that was so rude. Okay. I got in the car, and I'm like, okay, well, I guess I was on a different planet. <laughs> that was 30-year-old grown man behavior. But you know what? I look back now, and I have no regrets. I'm not even ashamed of what I did. I was making sure that I didn't ruin the yeah. opportunity. And then it was game on, right? And then I was at this, oh no, like I really like this girl. We did get each other's numbers. I did reach out. Mm -hmm. And it was undeniably something special when we first started dating. Yeah. And she was, meanwhile, in a relationship. And I had another challenge, right? There's another obstacle I had to overcome. But over time, we could really feel that there was this there was something special. Yeah. And I think one of the blessings, at least for me, when I look back, that was really, really refreshing. And some people who are listening may, may relate. We were old enough and we had been through enough that like on our third date, granted, I hadn't kissed her yet or been bit by that little dog. She called me to her house. Rest her soul. This is the beautiful part. I, I knew I needed to share with her what I had been through recently, right? Like, how, how am I going to deny that? Like, I need to let you know why my life is kind of in this desperate place right now because I'm rebuilding, but I just didn't want to let her know in case it turned her away from me. So here we are on our second or third date and she takes me to her place and she tells me about what she just told you guys. She tells me about being a teenager and becoming pregnant and, and the traumatic event of that experience and then being married and being her life being tossed upside down suddenly. suddenly. She basically on our third date said, hey, here is me. Can you see me? Like she did everything other than like take her clothes off and show me the raw naked truth, which actually she did more than that. She opened her heart and said, here it is. And what I understood immediately was this is who I am. If you want, if that's okay with you, then let's move forward. If not, then don't waste my time. Right. So it was a couple of dates later, a couple of weeks later where I finally built up the courage to tell her about what I had been through. The beautiful part and why we wanted to share this story is both of us were had gone through something that most people would think, oh shit, it's over. Yes. I will never have what I dreamed of as a boy or girl. Like it just won't happen for me. It, either I'm too old. Mm -hmm. No one's going to love me, which is what I hear all the time. Too broken. Too broken. So they just give up. Yeah. Well, both of us 
express to each other how we had in some way we had each given up on that dream. Yeah. So when we fell in love, there was a, a little bit of hope, right? Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of hope, but there was a hell of a lot of walls built up of. Yeah. Just total survival mechanisms kicking in all the time. Yeah, just so like, defensive walls that we're going to have to be, that we're going to have to be broken yeah. down. Right. Pe- some people call it baggage. <laughs> well, no, we just had been through some things. And so we're like, oh, you're not going to, you're never going to hurt me. But I'll tell you what, when Danny did finally open up and tell me what he had been through, that was what solidified in my mind why I was drawn to him. And it was almost like looking in a mirror. Like I could see his brokenness and identify really strongly with it, even though it was very different than what I had experienced, I could see that he had been completely knocked out, like left for dead, literally. And, and he chose to live. And, and that was such a powerful connection to me because I knew I needed somebody that could see that in me and not just appreciate it, but understand that kind of trauma, like that could, could see it and not be like, whoa, that's scary. Like somebody that could embrace it and somebody that kind of had that grit, right? Yeah, you saw like, that I was fighting. Yeah. And, was- and so even though he wasn't maybe as far down the line as he wanted to be into like his Established success, and refined. Yeah, whatever success in his mind was. <laughs> to me, it, he was already successful because I knew he was not going to stop. Like I was like, oh, you're just at the beginning of this, but you're not going to lay down like you're not you're you're not going back there. And so so it was just it was kind of it was hey I have to share though. I'm glad that you did share how you processed what I told you because I was scared. She just she did it. Like most women they come right out upfront and honest. She had she was just fearless when she told me about what she'd been through. I told her I needed to tell her something. It was really big, it was really important, and then I got scared, put it off, put it off, put it off driving her crazy right before i finally i wanted to tell her in person so i took her to dinner but i kept lunch. putting it off yeah sorry to CPK. lunch and uh i sat her we were in the car in the parking lot and i told her well it had built up so much because i kept putting it off that her and her girlfriends at work her group of friends they started having like a they were put a betting like a betting pool on what it was like what was this big news that he had to share with her and they were wondering if i was ever anything from being gay to uh having a wife or what were some of the, the yeah, other being things married. currently married? Like currently what are, they're married. thinking of these deal breaking ending situations, right? That Changed would, his gender. Yeah. So I'm sitting here Worst going, Oh my gosh, scenarios. she's, she's going to think I'm this hardened criminal, this, whoa, it was so hard to express to her because I cared about her, what I had truly been through and to be honest and transparent. And when I did, it was not what I thought it would be. Like I literally thought she'd get out of the car, run, she was like, that's it? And I was like, what do you mean that's it? Like, I was like Al Capone. Didn't you see this? Like, I was a gangster. She, she's like, that's it? I was like, oh, wow, she took that really well. But it was because she had been through things. She knew. She had thick skin. She understood it wasn't about what I had been through. It's what I was doing. Right. And so really, that's the message today. And I want people to know that when we did get married, the first few years, although rekindling our dreams that we had lost, rekindling that hope of maybe 
being a lost soul, Mm -hmm. being forgotten, Mm -hmm. came back and it was beautiful. It was magical. But simultaneously, we were met with an equal or greater opposition. Yeah, absolutely. Of trials, right? It, it, it wasn't like, oh, fairy tale. Like we found each other. We we're both broken. Now we're whole. Oh my gosh, now we're gonna move I forward. love you. I'd love if that were the case, but it was much harder once we were together. We were both really fighting off demons. And it was a knockdown drag out fight, which required yeah. a lot of clinical help, yeah. counseling, therapy, relying on others, putting into practice everything we had both done to rebuild our lives. It was a battle and it lasted for years. It wasn't always a struggle, but it was it was almost equal good and bad. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And every time we felt like we were getting these good places, we were threatened. Why? Because people call it baggage, and that's just a ridiculous word. We had both experienced some trauma. Because of that, we had learned to cope with it in a certain way, right? She was very affected by certain things. So was I, right? I had this fear of disappointment that took me a long time, of disappointing people. That was my biggest fear. For her, we realized it was being abandonment, abandonment, right? So it was this mentality of don't tread on me. You're never going to have that power over me. We had to break those walls down for a long time. But it was also learning to fight for our lives and put our lives back together that taught us how to be resilient Mm -hmm. and how how to really do that. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but it's just so true. And it's there is only one way out, and it is through. Yep, the only way out is through. And that is that's something that we talk about all the time because no matter what, things are going to come up, problems, circumstances change in your life, and if you just kind of shut down or you run or whatever, it will you'll you won't survive it. It will take you out, and so we will just always go straight through it. And I was actually reading yesterday something about like if you're a ship and you're at sea in in a wave like in a really bad storm, like which, what way do you go? And it's interesting because the term is called workways. You go workways with the waves. And I'm like, what the heck is that? And it's actually you go through the waves. Like you don't try to go perpendicular because if you do, you'll be capsized. And if you go with the waves, then it'll just kind of take you wherever those waves are going, which is not where you want to go. But if you go workways, it's through and that is the only way you'll get out of the storm alive and I'm like that's literally what we do in our life like we faced it before we met each other then we met each other and we had to literally take that principle and apply it into our relationship as difficult as it was and is but it is giving us the result that we want which is anything that comes at us we are going to go straight through it together because we we have chosen this as our path. Well, and it's unwavering trust in one another and also knowing that you've been through difficult things because we will. We all know that we will experience difficult things with our own children, our own life. Yeah. But we've kind of learned how to navigate through that. The goal is to continually practice doing the things we have been, which got us to the point where we met each other and to the point we are today because those times come in everyone's life. And I do want to share one last little special moment. I know that I don't remember the dates. I don't remember how many years. So forgive me. Guys do that. I hope I'm not the only one. You are the only one. (laughs) Years after being married, I met the birth son that you had given up for adoption, right? Mm -hmm. And it was down in St. Louis where she lives. And I mean, how many years have we been married? Maybe five or six? Yeah. Five or six years. And so meeting him for the first time and actually being in an environment where I had time to spend with him. And then all of a sudden we were out outside and it was just he and I 
And we're sitting there for just a moment. And he stands up and he says, hey, I just want to say something. And I was like, okay. He was like 16. 16, yeah. At the time. 16, right? 16-year-old boy. We all know how 16-year-old boys are. He says, hey, wouldn't you think that maybe I'm the reason that you and Emily are together? And I sat there and I was like, whoa. And it was very insightful for a 16-year-old boy to understand that because she had been through what she had and because I had been what through been through what I had, not only did we not judge one another, but it also helped us to respect one another, to admire one another, and nothing could have been more true. It was a very powerful, insightful moment. That was, it was a very powerful experience for me. So here we are all these years later, and we now have kids. Our life's even more chaotic, but it's different. Yeah, I, w- I, I just would say everybody's going to have a different story. Danny and I are totally different from each other and totally different from yours. But here's the thing. We all have had these experiences and sharing them allows us to access the truth. And that is that none of us are alone in this. We're all experiencing different things. Other, you know, my pain points are different than yours, but no one is alone in it. And the second you open your mouth with your pain, which is what we talk about all the time, which is our secrets keep us sick. The second you open your mouth with that pain, you realize how many people are You're not alone. You that maybe they're, they can't identify with that experience, but they have something else that taught them how to understand pain. Yeah, and when you talk about it, if you do offend somebody or maybe turn somebody off, that's not the person that you need to be your Sure. To be yeah. your partner for forever. It's not the person you want to spend forever with. But it's just, there's so much. And I think that's why we, do, that's part of the reason why we do what we do and why we share our stories is because hopefully it helps other people realize no, no matter how, how dark or how different your circumstances than from what we've shared, somebody else has felt that type of loneliness or despair or just complete loss of hope. And we are a community. Like, yeah, but that's why we're here. And I think what people need to realize is you don't need to be ashamed or embarrassed of what you've been through. The key is what you're doing now in life. How are you building back up? Right. How are you climbing out? The person who, who you fall in love with or maybe eventually comes into your life will respect that, admire that. It will be comforting to them. So if it's you listening who's been through something traumatic, a divorce recently, a death, something that's been a traumatic experience in your life, or you know someone, you love someone who's been through some serious trauma and you wonder if they're ever going to have that. Yeah, or you yourself have just totally been the tornado in your own life. You can totally change. You can. Like, it, I mean, listen, possible. what we just shared is I, I there was this beautiful blonde girl that had a room full of shoes, making six figures, driving around like a crazy woman who met a man who had butter knives because I wasn't allowed to have cutting knives, who didn't even have money in his bank, just got an apartment and it, and we made it happen. Right. It wasn't because of our circumstances. It was because of how we chose to rise up from them, mm-hmm. listen to other people, ask for help, humble ourselves, do the work necessary to rebuild. And if there's anything I've learned along the process, it's what my sponsor taught me in the beginning. Trust God, do what you need to do, and quit getting in your own way. 
when you do those things, yeah, it's amazing how much, how quickly and how beautifully your life will come back together. So, well, and it, it's sorry, but I'm not going to leave without talking about Jesus for one second. And that is the story of Jacob is literally like my favorite story. And when, when he finally like surrenders to God and his name is changed from Jacob to Israel, it is his willingness to let God prevail in his life that allowed him to become all who he became and, and have all the amazing access to the powers of God. But it's that willingness. You got to be willing to do it. And finding a partner that is also willing to do it will literally be the biggest blessing. And if you're in the middle of it right now, yeah, you, man, if your face is down in the mud, yeah, get up. Through. Only way out is through. We love you guys. Hopefully there was some humor in that. Hopefully there was some heartfelt understanding that we share this for no other reason than others to rise up, to have hope and go get what is theirs. That's right. You deserve it. It's you, yours. It's yours. You just got to go make it happen. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you. We'll see you next week. Next guys. week.